Hey guys, welcome to the Tech People Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as head of technology at Office Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, when nurtured in people, can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on their journey to success. Enjoy the show. Hi guys, welcome back to Tech People. This week, we delve into the challenges of attracting talent post-COVID. In my experience, the war for talent has become even more difficult for companies as people have so much more choice working from anywhere. But how are companies adapting to address this problem? To answer this question, I'm delighted to be joined by Gary O'Connell, Vice President of Support Services at SOPAS, who operate in the cybersecurity space. Welcome to the show, Gary. Thanks, Ken. Great to be here. Well, thank you. Uh, and we're looking forward to our discussion today. It's always a hot topic about talent. Um, and like I said, prior to the pandemic, I thought it was very difficult, but I do believe it's even more difficult now. And uh, looking forward to hearing what you were working on, kind of solutions that you've been coming up with. But before we start, maybe would you give us a bit of background about yourself and who you are? Sure. Um, so as you said, my name is Gary O'Connell. I am the Regional Vice President for Support Services within Europe, Middle East and Africa with Sophos. I'm doing customer experience and customer support for probably just over 22 years now, Ken. Started in December of 2000, uh, started working for Dell Computers out of Cabinteely in Dublin. Okay. Uh, initially started there as just a, an engineer providing support to home users on their desktop and laptops and was fortunate enough to then take on additional responsibilities over the six or seven years I was there. Um, that eventually led me to a position of manager within their enterprise expert center. And from there, then it's been a, an interesting, often challenging, but interesting journey as I moved in through a, a number of different companies. First and foremost was Full Tilt Poker. A lot of people will remember that from back in the, back in the day. I was responsible for setting up their knock center. Ah. So that was their network operations center to ensure game uptime and customer experience and financial payment transactions, et cetera. Interesting. Um, I was there for a year and then moved from there to VMware, which I think everyone would know, uh, based yes. out of Cork. Again, critical time in VMware's history as they experienced that level of hyper growth around their hypervisor. Um, I think we, we grew the team at the time from about 30 support engineers to over 300 support engineers. So that was a, that was wow. a very interesting time. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was something else. <laughs> over what period did you grow that team? That was about a seven-year period. Yeah. And it was transformational, I think, as the company continued to push out, you know, newer versions of its ESX software, plus a whole other portfolio of supporting products. So the challenge for support was to stay ahead of that volume that was being generated right. across the customer install base, but also to make sure that all of our engineers had the required level of technical experience. Because again, the technical capabilities of the product and the size of the portfolio just continue to expand. So you know, we started off, as I said, with the 30, but then quickly had to increase the number. And the second dynamic that was uh, also somewhat challenging at the time was introducing multilingual elements. So making uh-huh. sure we had specific teams for French support, Spanish support, Italian support, etc. So it was a, a real roller coaster of a ride, but it was incredibly enjoyable. Wow. And you grew all of that out of Cork? We did. We grew that out of Cork. Now, in some specific language requirements, 
we did bring on partners dotted throughout Europe, but for the most part, all of that was supported for at least the international market out of Cork. Yes. Okay, fantastic. And tell us about your current role. Yes. So having left VMware, I joined a company called Simplivity, which was a hyper-converged technology. I was with them for, uh, I think, around two years. They were acquired by HP, and that led me to where I am now. So I am now, as I said, responsible for support services within uh, Europe, Middle East, and Africa for Sophos. And this, too, has been somewhat of a roller coaster journey. We started off trying to understand where our talent exists across EMEA. And I think one of the first steps there was to look at all of our support centers, the level of technical capabilities we had. And that was a task I undertook pretty much after I started, so about four years ago. And we quickly identified, you know, some centers where we had huge technical strength, some areas where perhaps we could do a little bit more. But what was underpinning this was a really, really solid recruitment function across the company that at all times continued to deliver really good talent. And I think, as is the point of this podcast, I think the world fell out of that for not just us, but for so many companies with the onset of COVID-19. It has just dramatically changed the landscape, both for the positive and not necessarily the negative, but definitely some aspects are challenging with regards to where we find ourselves right now. Yeah, very interesting. Actually, could, you, could we just move on to that topic? So, I mean, for you guys, what has been the biggest impact on talent from COVID? So I think the biggest impact is around the availability of our talent pool and our candidate pool. Historically, similar to many other companies, you know, we have regional offices and we would have had a large presence or footprint in that region. Our recruiters would have worked diligently with local colleges and recruitment teams to bring on talent. Where we find ourselves with COVID is that has there has been some transformation in that space, in that we do now have access to a much wider talent pool, in that while I do have a number of centers providing support to our customers across Europe, we can go beyond that historical center and now hire, onboard, and train successful candidates that are in country, but not necessarily in region to where our support center is based. So, for example, if we look specifically at Ireland, you know, we have our primary support center in Cork, yet we do have engineers that we have trained and and onboarded in Dublin. And similarly, in France, the main support center is in Paris. However, again, we do have a handful of engineers we have onboarded and trained dotted throughout the country of France itself. So that has really opened up the overall size of the candidate pool in a way that we never really thought possible before. Okay. That's obviously a big benefit. What do you mean, obviously, with that benefit then? What's, I mean, what's the downside of that? So, well, the downside is something I think that not only Sophos, but other companies are, are beginning to, I wouldn't say struggle, but we do need to come up with some very creative ways to solve that. And in yeah. essence, the challenge, Ken, is that while we do have now a much more diverse and widespread team, we don't have the same ability without face-to-face contact to really involve these people in the Mm. company from a cultural and an engagement perspective. So, you know, a perfect example of that is if you decided to have a team meeting or a team night out, you know, all of the individuals on that space would have been there in person. And at the end of the day, we're all human. So we do need that, that contact, that engagement with our colleagues to be able to 
sit down and have a conversation or walk to someone's desk and ask them a question. Mm. Uh, and without that, you know, it is possible to go so far in the digital world with online meetings and with conversations, looking at a number of teams we have within EMEA. I know the managers do a, a call at the start of the week. They do a call at the end of the week, team meeting in the middle. And they'll also have, you know, varying degrees of one-on-one -on -one meetings with their employees. But we do find that very often employees in some occasions still do feel disconnected. At times, they don't understand the mission statement. They don't understand, you know, what we are as a company and what we aspire to do. And that at times can lead to employees just feeling isolated or disconnected. And that in itself is just probably the single biggest challenge we have right now. I agree. I mean, we, 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 I mean, like I said, other companies, we, we also experience this ourselves. And I think it also affects staff attrition also, because I feel if people don't feel the connection, you know, it's easier for them to leave the company as well, I think. Would you agree? Absolutely. And in fact, where we're seeing it probably most, and I don't think we're, we're unique here, is we might have a number of open positions. We do our due diligence and we, you know, we find the very best candidates. We bring them on board. And I think the difference now between the old legacy way of doing things is that those candidates, while they're going through training and, and even doing their onboarding, you know, previously they would not have taken a phone call from a recruiter. I think the mindset for any new hire, myself included, when I started with the number of companies I listed previously, mm. is that, well, I've just joined this company, you know, let's take on the training, let's get stuck yes. in. You know, if I really am not a good fit, I might give it six months or a year. And at least try and understand what the company stands for and, you know, what I can offer it and what it can offer me. Whereas these days, many of those people, because there isn't that connection with the company, even though they may have only a very small time frame under their belt, weeks or months, they're continuing to take calls from recruiters. So what that, in essence, then materializes into is you have a huge investment in bringing on CX talent. And at the very early stages of that process, you know, they will potentially leave. They will leave because they don't have that connection. They will take that call, which under the older model and way of yes. doing things, they wouldn't have. And that's that's a real challenge for us. We we have lost a number of essentially new hires, some new hires who were even only in training. They, they hadn't actually gone wow. gone live, so to speak, and then started engaging with our customers. And we, we've seen them leave. And that's, that's um, troubling both for the time and investment that was put into it, but also that we didn't have that real opportunity to make them feel part of the Safis family. Yeah, interesting. I mean, as you said, it's, I think it's affecting all companies. So, I mean, you mentioned there about you have to be very creative now with solutions. Could, are you able to share maybe something, some of the stuff that you've tried, what's worked or maybe, maybe not has worked even? Oh, we, we've tried and continue to try quite a lot. You know, this is a global phenomenon that we're seeing right now. So we've tried to not overcomplicate this and make okay. things as easy as possible. So we have done some online events that are there to engage, you know, every employee with the team. But the difficulty with that is, you know, it works perhaps for some countries and not for others because every country has a different culture. Mm. Uh, what I find for much of Europe, which is incredibly extrovert and social, when you look at the Spanish, you look at the French, yeah. and the Italians and the Irish, it has proved challenging. But it is to essentially do quiz nights, game nights, you know, all of those sort of events outside of work that bring people on and bring them into a social forum. 
but it has not been as effective as we've hoped. And in fact, for some people, those who are more introvert, it just seems like a very forced activity for them to have fun. And of course, if you're going into a scenario like that and you have any sort of anxiousness or perhaps you don't want to be there, well, then, of course, you're not going to have fun. So while there is you know, something positive in what we're trying to do, it hasn't been as in- inclusive as we had hoped. One of the other things that we've done is to allow all our new hires and all people within the company to have a buddy system. And that has been more effective. And what I mean by a buddy system is someone that they can reach out to for those type of day-to-day questions, whereas previously they would have walked over to someone's desk and said, you know, hi, Tom or Mary, how are you? Quick question for you. Because very often it's those type of questions that, you know, any employee doesn't necessarily want to turn around and ask their manager. You know, it's not a manager-related question. And in fact, if anything, some employees wouldn't have the confidence to talk and ask their manager, you know, for fear that they look or appear foolish. So a buddy system has been hugely successful with that regard. It's not a manager. It's not an assistant manager. It is literally a colleague on the team who you can confide in and you can talk to and you can ask those silly questions. Because at the end of the day, you know, we all only learn by asking questions. So providing them that avenue has been very successful. But again, it's just one of a number of different initiatives that we're trying. I I mean, we do that ourselves as well, the buddy system. It's really good. How do you work it? I mean, it's like formal meetings as casual. How do you assign the buddies? Can one person have multiple people assigned to them, etc.? Well, we, we try and make, to ensure that it's successful, we wanted to set everyone up at the start with as little overhead as possible. So we try and work on a one-on-one basis. Otherwise, you know, if, if I'm an engineer and I have been an engineer and I'm trying to talk to my customers and I'm getting multiple requests for assistance, you know, even if they're only one-liners for multiple people, you know, that's not going to work because it's going to impact my productivity and I might not be able to answer all of the questions. So we always strive to have a one-on-one relationship. We will generally pick those engineers that are probably the most extrovert so that okay. you know, they can engage to a, a high degree with the person asking the question. And as I said, we will always try and do the simple things. So you know, we're not going to have uh, an engineer working in Cork buddied with an engineer working in, in France because again, yeah. outside of you know, well, it's not a huge time zone difference, but there most certainly could be a language barrier. So we will always pick someone in region, in country, ideally, and work on a one-on-one basis. That that provides the best experience we found. Okay, very cool. But you mentioned, uh, which I, I agree completely, you have to be doing multiples of solutions. So okay, is there some other things that you could share or some other ideas? There is. Talk? So there is one at the moment that we're about to pilot. And this is an interesting one. We thought perhaps naively, that this is something that we had come up with. But if you do a quick search of the internet, you'll find that while we might have thought of the idea without any external help, it's clear that other companies have come up with the same idea. And that is to hire... Great minds think alike. Sorry. Yeah, they do indeed. An employee success manager is what we're looking to pilot. And this is actually just an extension of the body system, but taking it a step further. So... As we know, managers will always be responsible for the onboarding of their new hires. They need to make sure that the new hire has correct home office or correct office uh, set up so that they're effective, that all of the equipment and IT access is granted, because ultimately they're responsible for the the employee or new hire's well-being. 
But we have then looked at the body system and said, okay, but again, some of the same principles underlying the body system around asking silly questions or, you know, setting up social events probably falls just outside of the remit of a manager and you know, making sure their employees look after. So this employee success manager is someone who would will complement all of the things that the manager provides for the employee, but bridge that gap almost between the body system and just a simple manager onboarding. Okay. We've just defined their roles and responsibilities, and we will pilot it in one of our geos. It's unclear whether it will be my geo or North America market or, or APAC market at this time. But we're hugely excited about this because there are a num- number of benefits uh, that we, we know will happen um, straight out of the gate, which is the employee will have another touch point, but, an, but not a very formal touch point, leveraging the body system. But we will also get some really good feedback, we think, from this process, because this employee success manager will be involved in the onboarding and making sure that every new hire is successful within a specific geo. So if I look at the number of new hires that I bring on board any given quarter or any given month in my region, you know, the number is between five and 10. And that's right. that's a lot of onboardings as you stretch that out through the fiscal year. And the fact that this person, the employee success manager, will be involved in all of those onboardings, irrespective of country or language, means that they will have a, a, a complete holistic view of what's working for us and not working for us. And when you expand that so that they're also engaging with all of our existing employees around what's working for them and what's not working in a very casual, you know, engaging manner, well, then we're hoping that while this may not be a solution in itself, it will give us the data to truly understand our pain points and where we can do better. And not just through the lens of a manager, but through the lens of a colleague whose only job is to ensure the well-being and success of their colleagues and the people they work with. Very interesting, Gary. I'm looking forward to hearing how that goes for you guys. But as are me. we. As I said, it's still, a, <laughs> it's still a work in progress, but we're hugely excited about it. And we're hoping to post that role literally in the next few weeks and get it up as quickly as possible. Because again, you know, the biggest challenge out there, I think, around talent is just retention and making sure that people feel valued within the company they work for. Yeah, but how could it also, I mean, times have changed and the cultures have changed, mindset has changed. I mean, obviously, years ago, you had people staying for many, many years, but now it seems to be more common now that people move after, you know, every two to three years. Are you experiencing that in general also? We are, we are. And again, it's not across, you know, all of our employees. You do have a number of employees who, who are highly technical and do their job very well. And once you make sure that they're looked after, make sure that, you know, they're engaged and that you continue to develop them. A lot of those will stay. Where we find perhaps most attrition is, as I've said, either with people joining the company who just haven't had the experience to, or the opportunity to fully engage with us, or people who are there, to your point, two to three years, where they have gained a lot from the company, but find that their needs are best met with a new challenge and moving somewhere else. And it's those new hires less than six months and experienced engineers with a tenure between two and three, maybe three and a half years, where we're seeing the highest degree of attrition. And that, I think, is probably going to continue. I mean, there's just so much opportunity out there in the sense that, as I said earlier, 
you know, you don't necessarily need to be physically located next to a, a major tech hub where there's a number of enterprise customers. You can now apply for a job on the other side of Europe because, again, we're now working in a remote reality where if you look even a cursory glance at the jobs available on LinkedIn or on the Internet, you will find that most of them say remote in the contract. So you can work with a much larger pool of you know, industry enterprise level companies. So whether we've just had a paradigm shift and this is the way it's going forward, which I suspect is the case, or whether it's a, a you know a temporary issue, given the fact that people are working from home and they're realizing the benefits of that, but may want to get back in the office somewhere down the road. I think we're we're all waiting to see what way that would go. But at least from my perspective and, and wearing my SAPAS hat, I'm relatively comfortable that between the initiatives we're doing, such as the employee success manager, the body system, some of the activities we're pushing, we're going to try and at least make people feel as welcome as possible and to stop them in some ways from choosing other opportunities when we can make them aware that those opportunities exist, you know, where they work right now. Yeah, that sounds fantastic, Gary. And I mean, you, I think even you, it's more difficult because you're looking not only for technical people to do support, but also multilingual people to do that support. And I, I've, come, I've spoken to a number of, you know, customer service managers and even ourselves, and they get these technical people to come and do support roles. I mean, have you anything, I mean, have you any ideas you can share with us on how you do that? Because a lot of these guys are developers and want to be, or maybe not developers, they want to be working on developing applications and things I find sometimes. Yeah, I think the worst thing to do on, at some level is to overthink it. Okay. What we have started to do and we will continue to do is to open up multiple positions for the same role. Because again, there are certain things that are still market centric. So, for example, if I open up a French-speaking support role in France, I stand you know, a very good chance of hiring a support engineer with French language in France. But I'm also then not tapping into the new reality. And I can tap into that reality quite easily by simply opening up the same position out of Cork or our center in Madrid or our center in Milan or anywhere in Europe, clearly with the remote title attached right. to the job. And that gives you access to that much wider pool of talent that I was referring to. So, you know, just to give some examples, we have, I think it's eight or nine positions open now within my business unit in Europe. And we have most of those advertised in multiple different countries. And we've been fortunate enough to hire a number of German speakers and Italian speakers that support those markets, but they're based out of Cork. And again, it just, it continues to increase your candidate pool, but also adds a level of diversity to the local teams. Yeah, which um, is fantastic. And it's something, you know, with this remote change now, will you also like organize events to bring people together, bring teams together at any stage? We, we do. But again, of course, you're coming into a relatively new challenge that companies mm-hmm. haven't faced before around cost. In one, I suppose, at the highest level and also practicality. Because if I look, for example, at my colleague who runs the engineering function for uh, for Europe, Middle East and Africa, they've done quite a lot of recruiting and it is dotted essentially all over Europe. It is very challenging to get all team members, particularly all, all individuals that roll up under one function into one location at the same time. I think the approach that we're taking in Sahabas is more measured in what we would look to do is, again, looking at the Irish example, 
or even perhaps the UK example, where we have our main support center in Abington, but I do have a number of engineers dotted throughout the UK. We do look to bring those engineers that are remote to the office. But if I was to look at getting all of my organization together, you know, it's incredibly challenging because people are sometimes far away from an airport. You know, we have a number of hires in Italy and they're they're very rural where they live in Italy. So getting them to an airport and getting them even into the Italian center is somewhat challenging. So there isn't, I don't think, a clear solution to that yet. I think what will happen is as we put in place all of the different building blocks to increase employee engagement, make sure they're successful, the likes of the body or probably more relevant, the likes of the employee success manager will then figure out what works for the employees. But I think the days of you know mandating people come in, those days are long, long gone. And this will continue to be a challenge, just given the, the breadth and length of Europe that we have hired different people in. Um, and that, of course, becomes more prominent on some of the larger continents, such as India or North America, where you know someone on the East Coast is working with someone on the West Coast and your time zone differences. But yes. as, as, as a company, and I'm sure as many companies will, will appreciate out there, this is something we just need to work through and, and, and try and find the best solution for everyone. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, it really sounds like you've turned this challenge into real positive in terms of attracting talent and having talent in different locations to address these roles. How about the future? I mean, I know it's a difficult one to say, but how do you see this evolving to the future? No, that is literally the million dollar question. <laughs> we have already seen quite a shift across our, across our employees with regards to their preference for coming into the office. And just to spend a moment or two on that, we run an employee survey once a year, as I'm sure most multinationals do, to solicit input and feedback from our employees. And what was interesting is when we ran the survey in, uh, I believe it was May or June of 2020, a very large number of our employees said that out of the four options presented, which was to work from home full time, to work in the office full time, to work in the office two days a week and three days from home, or three days in the office a week and two from home, most of the employees responded that they wanted to work the hybrid model. And I think many companies found that and started to make plans to adopt that model. What was very interesting, though, is when we looked at the employee survey, which we have just completed now again this year, that has completely turned on its head in that most, I would say, of all of our employees are now looking to work from home full time. Full-time, okay. Yes, that's a pretty big change. Yeah. So, you know, we, we we spoke to a very large number of our employees and we asked, why did they think that shift had happened? And the answers were very, were very clear. And, you know, there was no ambiguity around it. Most people replied that the first few months, if not the first year of working from home, was a huge challenge because in many instances, schools had closed. So people who are working from home had the kids at home. They were trying to do homeschooling. Very often, they didn't have the IT infrastructure nor the space at home to do their job in a manner that was comfortable. So there was quite a number of challenges straight out of the gate that they were trying to deal with, in addition to, of course, doing their role. However, now that we have moved past the second year of the pandemic, schools are open. Most of our employees have now got the infrastructure in place. In fact, Sophos, you know, in December 2020 gave all employees, I think it was 640 euro net into their pay 
to allow them to get some extra monitors, keyboards, mics, and chairs. So, you know, all of the employees had that opportunity. All of them jumped on board. So, you know, except for a handful, most are now comfortable working from home. And as a result, we have seen this huge shift in attitude from, yes, it was nice to work from home at the start, but it was challenging <laughs> to, I am now completely used to working from home and I make it work. And I don't want, you know, the long commute times to the office. Yeah. Um, I do enjoy the extra time with my family. So, you know, unless there is a, another major event, uh, and I hope there's not, it's highly unlikely that we will see another reversal of that. And I think this is really going to be the new norm. So as per your questions earlier, retaining talent, making sure they're engaged, making sure that they they feel that they're part of something bigger, this now is going to be critical to success as we look forward over the next number of years. Wow, that's very interesting feedback. Because I would have thought, I, I, I'll be honest, I would have expected that to be really mixed, depending also on the demographic of the personnel. I mean, I would have thought younger people would like to be back in an office, working with other people, being in that office environment. And I, I could understand my family situation and things, but yeah, it's, it's incredible. It is. Now, of course, there are outliers. There are still a number of individuals we do have in the office because there's some practical limitations. Yeah. Uh, a handful of those do not have high-speed broadband. Two or three of them, at least in the Cork team, live in bed sits or share right. houses with yeah. other people their age. And there just isn't the space unless, of yeah. course, they... They work remotely from their bedroom, but of course, who wants to, you know, live, eat, sleep, and work from the one room? I mean, so so they yes. have those yeah, who come yeah. in, but they are in the minority. I think the majority of people do appreciate that freedom. Again, it's just connecting with them in a meaningful manner is proving mm-hmm. challenging. But we're we're comfortable that with the initiatives we've laid down, particularly this employee success manager, that we're going to at least try as hard as we can to understand how to make their lives better. Okay, well, thank you for sharing all those initiatives and ideas. Really fantastic. And as you say, it looks like uh, Water From Home is here to stay for the future. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you for your time today, Gary. Really appreciate it. Not at all. Thank you, Ken. It was great to talk to you.